to Greetings from Beyond Radio. This is Season 1, Episode 4, and as usual, I'm your host, Rich Valdez, and I got it down. My co-host, my lovely co-host, Vicki Burnett, uh, joining me. Say hi, Vicki. Hi, we're here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> here we go already. Where's Prince? <laughs> All right. He's not on the wall, but... He's on my cup tonight. All right. Well, that's good enough. Okay. <laughs> we we have we have the sign instead. But um, before I go any further with episode four, titled Poltergeist, you know, noisy ghost, stuff like that. That's what it means. It's funny how America just ends up adopting another country's language to describe the phenomenon that's been or in existence forever. Go ahead, Vicky. Well, ironically, the Germans do not use that term anymore. They don't use that term or that definition for noisy ghosts because so much has come out about poltergeist activity and things like that. So they have actually, they stopped using that. Well, you know, and, and we're going to get into that because poltergeist, at least the definition of poltergeist and the phenomenon attached to it has changed so much over the years. But before we go any further, I need to make some very, very important announcements. And one of those announcements is going to be coming up on the screen just to, you know, give visual aid. And for those of you that don't follow us on YouTube and strictly follow us on Facebook or just follow us on one of those podcasts that just, you know, distribute our audio, if you want to catch us, by all means, join us on YouTube. But these are all of the other podcasts that we are going to be featured on, by the way. And it's going to be Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, iHeart, The Parallax, Podcast Index, Samsung Podcast, and Listen Notes. So needless to say, those are going to be the main places to go to and there will be more added onto that list this is just this show is just growing out of control as of late which is fine with us we love vicky and i love to share what we can with everyone and we love to hear back from everybody that's writing in i'm not privy right now to the chat room because i'm trying to concentrate on everything that's going on and i you know Vicky is pretty much just, I'm just here for poltergeist. <laughs> and <clears throat> Jen is in the background, busy 
you know, producing our show and doing an exemplary job. I'm very impressed. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for her, none of this would be happening. In fact, I wouldn't be right here right now because the computer started glitching because of Facebook and all this crap. Needless to say, thank God I have a good producer because, yeah, the show would not be airing. And there she is, our lovely producer, Jen. Hi. <laughs> are you muted or are you up? I'm not muted. You're not muted. So, yeah, it, let, let me just say this. By the way, I, I really want to put out there, if anyone ever needs help producing their podcast, producing a show of any kind, make sure it doesn't interfere with our show. That's the person to reach out to, Jen. Okay. And she's a hell of a manager as well. She's done a great job when it comes to managing all other affairs involving any special appearances or interviews I may be making in the near future. She has been really good at. So by all means, Jen, you should actually tell everyone where they can contact you with an email that actually works this time. Well, yes, I can actually put that up. Um, I'll run the ticker later today uh, with an email. Uh, but if you do need to get a hold of me or any questions or anything about the show, the email is Jen GFBR management at gmail.com. And then I'll, and, I'll put all the information up later. And also, this is also for, for those that are listening audio wise. Uh, where can people watch us for sure? Where it's not, where it's not going to be glitching on Facebook. Well, yeah, Facebook is being a little glitchy today. Um, it took a minute to even go on video today, but you can also see us on YouTube at greetings from beyond radio and get the visuals there. And that ladies and gentlemen is why we have a producer. Because if it was left up to Vicky and I to do all this, yeah. See, look at that. It, it even popped up right there on, on my, we are having trouble streaming the Facebook. This may be an issue on Facebook. Yeah, of course, it's always an issue with Facebook, whatever. But I even got it here on my stream yard. Can you believe yes, that? So, so if you are watching or at least trying to attempt to watch on Facebook, if you do go over to the YouTube page at Greetings from Beyond Radio, it should be fine there. Um, I Paralanx is working as well. It seemed to be up and running. But, you know, when it comes to Facebook, the, the Greetings from Beyond Facebook. Oh, and even Paralanx is now giving issue. See? Yes. Uh, both uh, Greetings from Beyond Radio and Paralanx, even sharing the the link it is being a little glitchy so i would recommend going over to youtube and watching it there and it's real simple get on youtube if you want to watch us and, like see and, the subscribe. and subscribe as well because you will get your updates whenever you go to youtube that we will be on air youtube just never seems to let us down facebook on the other hand psh, i don't know about that um going but, to i want to interject here about youtube if yeah, we yeah. can get people going over to youtube and i we need you to comment in the comment section now she's being glitchy yeah <laughs> <laughs>
witchy, glitchy, bitchy. No, it's like it's like Max Hedrum. Yeah, I, I I know I'm 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 showing my age, but people that remember Max Hedrum back in the day, it's like you came across like Max Hedrum there for a second, and I was like, uh oh, now that's paranormal. That's poltergeist right there. Uh, no, so that's yeah. the wind blowing outside near my internet connection because it gotcha. stinks. Uh, I know, I know. All right, so here we are. Uh, we are going to be discussing anything and everything that has to do with everything that comes to being a poltergeist. Uh, for those of you that are not aware, when it comes to poltergeist, poltergeist is something that the way I see it, it means noisy ghost. And it's the word that was adopted many, 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 many years ago. But a poltergeist phenomenon is very rare. I think in all the years that I've been doing the paranormal, I think I've only come across four cases where I actually dealt with a poltergeist situation. And two of those involved an adolescent child. And when I say adolescent child, I mean a teenager. And that in itself is something that needs to be taken under consideration because there's two categories that I know of for sure. One happens to be due to spiritual infestation of some kind going on in the home and also happens to do with the child going through adolescence, puberty, for those of you that are not aware as to what adolescence is. And I actually experienced it, not including the two cases where I experienced um, poltergeist activity, but... I experienced it with my daughter, my 28-year-old daughter, not then 28 years old, but she was 13 years old. And that was an interesting month, to say the least. Lights were flickering. And I'm not talking about just lights in the house. I'm talking about the, the street lights, okay, the stop signs. I was literally heading towards that stop sign, and it just all of a sudden went red, yellow, green, red, yellow, green, and stopped on all four ends. And I was like, what the heck? And... Another time where my, yes, CD player in my mo soccer mom van at that time, all of a sudden decided to go to, 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 changing by itself. It only happened that one time and she happened to be in the car every single time. So this does seem to have some connection to it. And I've noticed something else and don't get offended here. Don't get butt hurt here when it comes to when I say this, Vicky, it always surrounds a female. Because, Not always. You can't use anything in absolutes. Well, because the South well, Shield poltergeist, actually, they had a young son. So it's not always. It's typically. Okay. Typically, so I'd say within what? The 70, 40 percentile? I would say it's about 70, 80. 30. Per, yeah. I would 80? say it's a little higher than that. I'd say it's around the 80%. And, and what I've also gathered knowledge-wise when it comes to all of this is it usually surrounds females because of adolescence. I've also heard of it surrounding women that are pregnant, women that are going through menopause because their hormones are everywhere. And, you know, that... Are you trying to mansplain hormones to me? No, no. Okay, I'm I'm just double checking. I'm making an observation. That's uh, all. I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> My observation spe specifically points in the direction that 
women are the ones that have the most hormones going on. I mean, let's face facts. That's really what happens. It's that time of the month or the, the a girl's first time of the month. Then you also have pregnancy. You also have menopause. And there have been cases that a lot of my colleagues have actually gone through and come to find out the activity all of a sudden stops because it, it was all surrounding the living the living not saying that it's always female but the grand majority of those cases do surround females so that being said there is one case in particular and i believe if my memory serves me right it is referred to as the bothel case that i say right you didn't say you didn't say the other word yeah the <laughs> bothel case and this case actually was one that happened here in the states it happened in washington state to be exact now i'm not too familiar when it comes to the phenomenon i've just brushed over it to be honest with you but there was several phenomenons and i don't know what it is why it is that the that's so either it's social media or those naysayers that end up saying that every poltergeist activity that's ever happened was a hoax I, I just, I don't get it. I think it's the level of activity. I think it's hard for them to wrap their head around what the claims are from the people who are experiencing it. I think that's part of it. I think we can, um, you know, embrace more that someone saw a shadow, that someone this and someone that, but the level of activity that you experienced during a poltergeist haunt is incredible. And and I'd, I'd be one of those people, I can understand if you're a skeptic, a naysayer, you'd be like, I need to see it. I need to be there. I need to see it because it is mind blowing what happens. In the four times I experienced it, it, it was shocking, I will admit. But some some of the poltergeist activity was slight. It wasn't like dishes flying all over the place. This is not like the poltergeist movie, which we will touch upon later on in the show. But it was more along the lines of very, very slight very small things that moved here and there and it wasn't really i think there was one time where i actually saw something move and it was i believe a blade that was towards the back of a shelf and it actually i saw it move and fall off unless it was a mouse there or a rat i didn't see it but i was watching it the whole time i actually went over there and i checked and inspected and everything and it did surround some child going through adolescence once again and ironically the activity stopped after a few months which is usually the case when it involves the living but the Balfour case was different it involved what seemed to be a lot of burning objects that were burning and and actually getting to the point to where people were beginning to notice that it was more than just the claims that the family were making. Uh, the Washington State Poltergeist is what it was called, and that's the newspaper clipping about it. And as you can see, it says, eh, I'm going to need my glasses for this. <laughs> All right. America's most controversial paranormal. Case. Let's move it over. Case. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, the Bothell case 
is one that I guess we can take credit for here in the States, but there's been many here in the States and abroad as well. There was burnings. Now, I'm not sure, but that kind of does look like a Bible because usually the Bibles I'm yeah. familiar with have that well, it, red tint on the ends. Yeah, when it came to, um, when things start happening first with books in general, there was a bookcase that uh, Keith Lender, he's the one who was living in the home and has written the books about the phenomena. He had a bookcase in the hallway. Mm. And he noticed, no matter what book he put there, he guy and he had some technical books and he'd come and then he it'd be like just walked over and just like and he had someone that he worked with and they said i think they're the ones that first suggested well have you thought about putting a bible there and sure enough he put a bible the bible was thrown the same way the other books were it wasn't that the bible alone i think there was a total of about five bibles that were either destroyed, burned, or disappeared during the process of this haunt. Was this but on purpose? Did he purposely put those Bibles in there, or were they just part of his collection to begin with? He purposely, the first time he placed a Bible on that bookcase that tend to throw books off, that was on purpose that he used a Bible. Yes. And he did have Bibles that were, you know, personal ones that, I, I mean, like I have a Bible that was given to me when I graduated from high school. It was a tradition at our church to have one given to us by our church. And that's a very special Bible to me. But this, the whole situation, he went, he got this house and it started very simple. He was doing a, a walkthrough basically because he's getting ready to rent it. And he heard a kid laugh. And ironically, he didn't go upstairs. It sounded like it was coming from upstairs. He didn't investigate it. And the very first big thing that happened, he and his girlfriend were sitting on the couch watching TV. A plant in a pot levitated in front of them, rotated, and then came down. Okay? So that was the beginning. And of course most people are going to go to try to find the logical explanation. Of course. So they're thinking, is somebody punking us? They looked for wires. They looked for, you know, everything they could think of. And then from that point, you got into what is basically stereotypical poltergeist activities. You have banging. They would go into their kitchen. Every cabinet would be open. Things from the cabinet would be on the counter. They had, he said that there would be bangs so loud that it felt like it came from like the center structure of the house, like, like it was a structural kind of bang. And then it progresses even further with things being destroyed and fires starting front, their front door. They had a security system, the front door, they'd come down and the front doors open. And that's now, scary to come down in the middle of the night and see your front door open. If we can go back to the picture before this one, um, it looks like a poster that burned as well on the wall. And I, I guess either the poltergeist did not like this poster and this, or was it just there, right time, right place? It just, Someone... is there any rhyme or reason? This is the question that I think everyone would have. I'm going to slip into, uh, the chat room to see what's going on in there. But my question would be if there's some 
form, rhyme or reason, some intelligence to a poltergeist and it's being caused spiritually, not because of the living, but because of the dead. Why would they, and I'm not saying that's always, you know, burnings. This, this was specifically for this one per, particular case, but usually when it comes to poltergeist activity, it involves just about anything, moving, things disappearing. Uh, but it's funny that I, I, I find it amusing that a lot of these individuals that go to investigate or actually want ha to have that proven to them, they expect this activity to happen upon command. And that's not the case. If that were the case, everyone would be a paranormal investigator. Let's face facts. So let's let's move away from that. But my question, if that individual were to ever join us, which would be a great thing to have him join us on the show so he could talk about the Bothell case, is what he thinks this is all about. What was this behind? What was the motivation behind this haunt? He saw that at first it seemed like they were, you know, that it wasn't targeting one specific person. But when items started disappearing, they were mostly sentimental or personal to him. He had a coffee cup that had been given to him by his mom. And he gave, um, made some coffee for a friend. He put the cup into the sink and that cup disappeared and has never been seen again. So he noticed a pattern where eventually it was as he was being targeted as the center of this haunt. I see. Uh, so far, uh, we have some people already complaining on, on you know, the uh, uh, chat. Uh, but welcome to Elena. Welcome to Tammy, uh, my beautiful significant other as well and lisa marie gaps welcome uh i think lisa was the one that also left that message for us on youtube saying that we should hashtag everything you know what that lisa? was maria that was, was that maria, maria? That that. Mm -hmm. sorry okay so the maria threw me off but you know thank you to maria a big you know shout out to her elena is also on youtube now because she got tired of facebook yeah. uh, but if you all have any questions or anything that you want to add in please by all means feel free um that's what we're here about um now so at the beginning i want to go back at the beginning of his book there's a quote from a researcher i'm probably going to mess up his last name but richard sugg it's s-u-g-g -G. and he stumbled upon the poltergeist phenomena in his research, ironically, about vampires. And he looked into history between 1590 to 1920. He looked at claims of vampire activity, and a lot of it included some things that we now identify as poltergeist activity, which I think is fascinating. But there's, he has a a little part in the book, and this is the quote that I took um, that I think is important. We should study poltergeists because they're extraordinary. They offer new ways to think about the power of the human mind and body, science, and supernatural history. And we should also study them for one other basic reason. When they happen, they can make someone's life hell. And that really hit home with me because when you're talking about different haunts, the level of activity that's involved in something that is identified as poltergeist can be extreme. People 
will be in their home and dodging knives that are literally flying at them. And the noises involved and the pestering and all of that stuff. It's just the level of this type of haunt, I think, is very, very severe. It would it would remind me, and I know a lot of people have talked about the fine line between are you dealing with a poltergeist or a demon? And I could definitely see where there might be some fine lines there between the two. I think the question right there is it just popped up on the screen. Signs and stages of poltergeist activity. Okay, so here's where where we have to draw that line in the sand and decide once and for all, is it just poltergeist activity or is this poltergeist activity just part of the haunt going on? Because I, I've had many, many, many cases over the years where the individual has told me they not only have seen a ghost or spirit or shadow person, but things have moved. They've been touched. They've been smacked. They've been held down, stuff like that. Is that considered poltergeist or is it just things flying around in the air being tossed at you? Is it safe to say that it's always going to be tied in with a haunt or is it just symptomatic? And that's an interesting question because across the board, cases that have been identified as poltergeist, you see the exact same activities. I don't think that a poltergeist or poltergeist activity necessarily happens in isolation. I think that with most things in life, you could have it in conjunction with. And people who have been present at some of these most severe poltergeist cases will tell you, Flat out, they're asked, what is a poltergeist? And they will say, I have no clue. I have no clue. There, there's, you know, there's still a lot of questions abound. We we have no real answers because, quite frankly, Vicky, between you and I both, in all the cases we've handled over the years, let's face facts, the, the very same symptoms that happen during a haunt happen with poltergeist so are they synonymously synonymously put together or is there a difference i'd say the real thing to look for would be to call something poltergeist you would have to possibly more than likely connect it with a living a child that is as i stated earlier going through you know some some sort of changes if you know what i mean when it comes to adolescence, their hormones are raging at the time. It's for a short period of time. Listen, I've read the books. I've read the parapsychology books. I've read the ESP books. It's usually surrounded. Now, maybe it's outdated. I haven't read the new ones. But in those books, in those textbooks, <coughs> it actually stated <clears throat> that the phenomenon usually surrounded around an adolescent child. And in the case of the Bothell house, there is no adolescent child present. Okay, so is it possible that that was wrongfully titled as a poltergeist when in fact it was a haunt? There's absolutely a possibility of that. But again, first of all, we're talking about something that, it, that nothing is written in stone. So when people are going to make 
which which is one of the reasons why I absolutely love to discuss poltergeists, because no one's theory can be proved 100% right or 100% wrong. But when you look across the board at the activity and the level of activity, there's even a case where the people who investigated the South Shields poltergeist, mm -hmm. they experienced certain things. They went to another case, completely separate case. In the same exact same phenomena, in particular, they came across during their investigation at South Shields, a bottle that was on its side in an unnatural position. OK, there's no way with gravity and the laws of nature that that bottle should be standing like that. OK, is they this went, the bottle you speak of or is this? I, I don't know if that's the exact picture, but it's something to that effect. They said it was on its side. They go to another investigation they see the exact same phenomena they see this bottle doing the exact same thing so of course the question comes to mind did the people investigating bring the entity with them to the next place or is this just the modus operandi of whatever is driving the poltergeist force There's some pictures. And another thing, too, yeah. like kitchen cabinets. That is stereotypical of poltergeist cabinets. activity. Mm -hmm. and, and also things stacking coming out of chairs. It. Yep. And but in the Bothell house, when it dumped the stuff out of the cabinet, it actually organized it. So they had an OCD poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of poltergeist. Of course, your type of poltergeist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which, ironically, that's something I will never stop doing when it comes to me visiting your house. No, I, I'm next time you come, I'm taking every single knickknack, every single thing I own. There's going to be one chair in this house. What this man does is he goes and he will move things around. He's he's my poltergeist. So he comes to my house and switches things around to see if I notice. He'll turn books around on my bookshelf to drive me nuts. One time he like turned my towel thing completely around. No, I'm not crazy. The last one he didn't get me on because he switched the salt and pepper shakers, but I'm actually not OCD about that. You're, no, your halo, it burned a long time ago. Uh-uh. Uh -uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I admit it. I do that because I know it bugs the hell out of her. And it's my way of joking around. No. And it usually, actually, the best one I ever pulled on her, it took her almost a month to figure it out. And she called me. She called me and she was like, you S-O-B. I noticed it. You did it. And I'm like, it took you that long to figure it out. Which she, one was that? Oh, my gosh. I think it was your towels or something like that. No, I would have noticed the towels. It, it must have been. I'll, I'll, it'll come to me. Oh, I think, I think it was with the first time you did the bookcase. No, no, it was the third time I did the bookcases. But I was so good at it, and uh, yeah. Well, Tammy remembers. You know, she she was she there was for a that. part of it. Well, she didn't say anything, but she really didn't do anything. I kind of did it. That, that was just my way of playing around. So we have a question in in there. Uh, new to this. Also, why is it that it may develop during adolescence? What causes it during that time period? Vicki, do you want to address this or do, or do you want me to address it? Well, my, my version is if 
it is completely related to the human agent during that time period. It would just be because of their energy. That is a time when, you know, energy is going crazy inside our body. You know, there's, there's theories that poltergeist is nothing to do with a human agent, that it's simply a haunt. There are uh, theories that it is just related to an adolescence and that it's all psychokinesis, that they are moving these objects with their mind unbeknownst to them. It's not like they're doing consciously. Of course. Not. I think it's a combination of several things is my personal theory. But the more I read, the more I wonder, is it just something completely its own, not to overuse the term, its own entity? Are we dealing with, I don't want to use this in a derogatory manner, but are we dealing with a specific species of an entity that causes these haunts? I think this subject, as you could tell, anybody who's seen me tonight, I am animated because I love this topic. Because I love the fact that I that no one has nailed this down. Like no one, there's theories and there's this and there's that, but there's nothing in stone. And I actually love that, that we can discuss it and have all these different theories. Theories will always be floating around. It's a matter of nailing them down and actually finding some cause and effect. I think there is something to an adolescent child having something to do with this. Having experienced it myself, my daughter... Okay, uh, for about, I'd say a month and a half, give or take. And it was every time I'd pick her up from school and she was under a lot of stress. She was in junior high at the time. And the weirdest crap would happen whenever she was around. Now, I'm not saying it's her fault. She has no control over this. It's just that that one particular situation would actually, and I would say hormonal changes taking place in her, would actually kick in and cause psychokinesis telekinesis to take place and start moving things flashing lights changing the radio the the dvd player everything yes i had a dvd player now we use bluetooth i get it you know spotify thank you so much by the way for picking us up but this really does happen and it, usually nowadays it messes with our electronics back then it messed with moving things around and that that was even more dangerous. I'd rather deal with the electronics than anything else. But, you know, to have knives thrown at you, heck, that's too much to ask for. So we have another question in the chat. And this is what I love about this. You know, we get to actually talk with everyone that's chiming in. So what about a woman who is going through her changes that can explain the adult poltergeist? And yes, I addressed this earlier. If you were not here earlier, it's been it's been actually attached to children going through adolescence, pregnant women, and menopausal changes. And, and there's I, cases where it doesn't fit any of those. Yes, there are <laughs> cases. where, But the only case I've ever known of that lasted, and ironically, I'm going to say it, that lasted for about a year was with a male. He was 20 years old, severely autistic, and the poltergeist activity that was happening around this male child, or I should say adult, um, lasted for about a year. And then it just stopped all of a sudden. I don't know if it happens to be because of his condition. 
or his the way he is because autism is something that tammy actually happens to specialize in she may want to chime in on this and actually you deal with autistic children as well vicky so um do you think that could also play a part in this maybe a child that has mental you know disability of some sort or into adulthood could it be asperger's could it be you know uh autism could could it be down syndrome could it be anything could that be the cause as well could that la make the poltergeist activity last longer it could make it last longer but you also have to look at the nature if you're going to go ahead and you know attribute the activity to a human agent then you would have to see if he has that activity what made that activity cease after a year if it was connected to him what changed in him oftentimes in his case his condition would have been the same after that year now typically poltergeists will last anywhere from two weeks to two months is the traditional most reported Textbook. time period yes textbook way of that, thing, yes and it will start out of nowhere and it will end out of nowhere just you know be done a lot of the cases that are studied um, like the south shield i believe it went on from 2005 to 2006. so that was you know a, a more lengthy time period and you know this is funny i'm going to post this i noticed when and when researching how come there's more poltergeists in england there's a lot of them, aren't there? I know. What's up with England? And it's just not England. It's the UK altogether. Yeah, I mean, so it's, you know what? It's, that's something to be touched upon. And I, I, I happen to know for a fact that it's something that we have to address. I, I don't know. Maybe that is a mixture of old spirits. I mean, England has been around way, way longer than the United States. And a lot of the structures that were there years ago happens to, to still be there and standing and operating to this very day. So it could be a mixture of both living for a little while that triggers that and wakes the spirits up. And then they start with the poltergeist activity. But then again, we're right back to square one. Is exactly. it spiritual or All is right. it living? And we even was like you know going out there and she said could it be alien we don't know enough to to say that it can't be because think about it rich there's a lot of things that even you know work i know down the road we'll probably do a show on this with shadow people there's been people that say that shadow people are actually aliens uh so at this point who's to say that it is not i don't think at this point we can eliminate anything completely because nobody knows yet we can only look at the features that you see over and over again in these haunts and look at the things that they have in common but even looking at the things that they have in common it doesn't point to one specific cause Leanna Skew, thanks you vicky for the explanation and courtney peterson thank you so much for sharing the show we really appreciate that um you know there's a lot of people chiming in in the chat room and and uh they're, they're all just enjoying this topic because quite frankly 
the more questions there are, the less answers there are. Exactly. So there have, that's the problem. And, and we're, that's why we're here. You know, if we don't have all the answers, because Vicky has her theories, I have my theories, y'all have your theories. That's why we're talking to you. Let's try and figure this out. And I, that's what I love about this. Let's all just, you know, say, okay, okay so could it be this, that, or whatnot? You know, person, place, thing. Is it a vegetable? Is it a fruit? <laughs> what is it? We don't know. She's even thrown in there, is it alien? I personally don't think it's alien, uh, but I'm no, I personally, open to all theories. Yeah, I personally don't myself because I, I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to alien stuff. So um, I, I personally, but my point and her point in asking, who's to say? You know, we can't totally throw that out as a possibility. I do, I personally do believe in aliens. I, I, I just don't think this one little planet called Earth is the only planet with living creatures on it like ourselves. And for all we know, they have podcasts too. That'd be funny. I'd love to watch one of them, wouldn't you? Just saying. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. But, hey, we know, can throw it out. Listen, if, if aliens, you got a podcast. I do not want to probe. All right. I'm good. No worries. You're such a chicken. It yeah, would be for scientific nah, reasons. Nah, Come on. Yeah. Okay. Then you volunteer. Don't I'll volunteer take one me. for the team to you be go, on an alien go, podcast. Girl. You go, girl. I got this. You got this. All right. Anyway, so that being said, <laughs> <laughs> um, the way I see it is there's so many theories out there. Uh, okay, so Leanne Askew, uh, I know it's bizarre thinking that, but I'm with you guys. Who knows? Well, that's why we're here. Let's all try and figure this out. And I promise you we're going to try and get some people that specialize in the subject matter involved in this debate because it's it's actually a very good debate to have. That's why... We're trying to figure this out because we really don't have all the answers. Me personally, I have been involved in investigations where I've think I've seen things move. I know that when I first walked into the room, whatever this was here, and then all of a sudden I come back and it's over here. I'm like, I start asking everybody in my team, "Did you guys move that?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Okay." So, do we consider that poltergeist activity? Do we consider that just a spirit trying to? send a message to us. I'm here. Communicate with me. Start your EVP session. I don't know if where, where does the line start and end when it comes to poltergeist activity? There's a lot of people out there that I've even gone as far as saying is that, that poltergeists have been hoaxes. Can you believe that hoaxes? Really? Right. I, I mean, if the person is experiencing, experiencing this situation, this phenomenon, how can we discredit what those people are experiencing? That's not right. I don't think we should even go there. No, it's it's horrific what people have done um, to try to discredit people who honestly, at some point, decided to go public with mm -hmm. what they were experienced to, number one, get answers, and number two, possibly help somebody else who's in the same situation. Yes, are there people out there who fake stuff? Absolutely. Uh, oh, poltergeist. Um, <laughs> but, and you know, as you're, as you're, you know, 
doing that across there. Another thing, another interesting phenomena with poltergeist that you see that you don't always see with a traditional haunt is items will materialize and show up in people's houses. And in fact, there's another haunting from England, go figure. And the poltergeist activity began when they walked into the home and found a key, kind of like an old fashioned key. And the day that they walked in and found that key, that's when the activity began. And that one actually went on for years and years. I just happened to catch a little bit of that today. Um, so I don't know all the exact details, um, but I did see the person who experienced it as a child talk about her experience and how many years she went through it. So now what we're talking about is there are inanimate objects appearing out of nowhere from different times. And so in other words, it's cross-dimensional now that we're introducing, but you know, kind of sort of, we can also use the blueprint of the movie, the poltergeist movie. Uh, yeah. A lot of the phenomenon that Steven Spielberg actually showed in that movie was actually interesting. And I know it derived from a lot of different cases. I know they did their research when it came to this movie. And uh, there's also a lot of, you know, I, I really don't add any credence to this, but you know what? There, there's, um, yeah, the poltergeist curse. Let's just stop there for a second because there's some someone here, Courtney Peterson, and she actually, why don't you go ahead and read that one, Vicky, while I get some things straightened out here. Now, if a poltergeist is triggered, formed from chaos, that could be just generalizations on poltergeists all across the board. So in the situation that a child wasn't involved, it is plausible that chaos in general, the negative energy fuels it. Very good point. So even if there's not a child, maybe it's not the child per se. We're just talking about the energy that's being brought to the table, which can be brought by different living people. And it could be negative in nature. And that's what gives it extra fuel. Because let's face it, if anybody's ever tried to deal with a teenage daughter, that's negative energy. Okay. I, I've already dealt with one and she's yeah. 28 and I got another one working her way up there right now. So Ain't looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. Needless to say, yet another theory thrown into the mix. This is a big cauldron, a big melting pot. Let's keep throwing them in there because eventually we will come up with an answer. Thank you for your question, Courtney. I, and actually, your, I should state your, your opinion as to what could possibly be causing this in the first place. That being said, uh, so let's get back to the poltergeist curse. Now, anyone that knows me and Vicky has known me very, too very, long. very long time. Way too long. Yeah. Too long. <laughs> the poltergeist curse. Here's the thing about the poltergeist curse. And, and as I was going over all the information for the poltergeist curse, there's four key members that were involved in this film that were somehow succumb to this poltergeist curse and Go one ahead. minor yes one minor player yes now um we have uh i need my glasses for this all right oh so carol ann died of crohn's disease she did not actually she was misdiagnosed with crohn's 
Yes. And what she had was a blockage in her intestine. And if they had not misdiagnosed her with Crohn's disease and knew that she had a genetic uh, issue in her bowel system, she may not have passed away. So it was a misdiagnosis of Crohn's that ultimately caused the problem. The shaman in the second movie uh, died of a series of different health issues that he had. But let's face facts that that gentleman may rest in peace. He he was old. I, no, I he was the 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 uh, Native American yes. gentleman. Yeah, he was like about fifty three, but he had a heart and liver transplant. Those are oh. he had a very very slim chance of being able to survive that operation, and he knew that going into the operation. The oldest sister only ever seen in the first movie was strangled by her boyfriend, a sous chef somewhere in L.A. And to be honest with you, uh. Do we chalk that up as a curse or just, sorry, uh, wrong place, wrong time, wrong guy. Um, And also the gentleman that passed away, that was the creepy old man that kept saying, let me in. In the second movie, also passed away of stomach cancer from what I understand. But can we just chalk that up as he was old, he died of stomach cancer and that's it? And he had been diagnosed with stomach cancer prior to filming the movie. There you go. So, I mean, you know, I I personally am not one that gives into the hoopla. Okay, so here's some of the research here. Go ahead and read. I don't I ain't got my glasses on, but well, we talked about Dominique Dunn, which was killed by her boyfriend. Yes. Um, The preacher. It was, it, it says unexpected death. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer. He was diagnosed, yeah. Um, the next one, there was someone who died of kidney failure, but I'm not sure what his, oh, he was, oh, it's the medicine man from Poltergeist 2. Okay. Um, and then the misdiagnosis of um, Carol Ann. Mm-hmm. The one that's interesting to me is there was a bit player, if you remember the movie, Um, They have the construction crew there and they're starting on the pool and she has the window open and the guy reaches in and he takes a cup of coffee and he eats a little breakfast. He actually was murdered. He was in his home and somebody broke in and actually murdered him with an ax. Yeah, his was the most interesting and the one that's not talked about as much, but very very odd. And then there was someone else. I don't know if it's on here. Um, he was in an airplane. Oh yeah, yes. I think it's a, a plash, but he was actually one of the ones to survive the crash. One of the parapsychologists, um, the African American, and he actually survived that crash. He had a near death experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the man who played the shaman when they were doing that's poltergeist Two. Uh, he did not like the fact that in the previous movie they had used real, supposedly used real skeletons. So he went to the set of Poltergeist 2 and he actually did it like an exorcism. He called it an exorcism. He did a cleansing of the set of Poltergeist 2 because he didn't like the energy that was brought over because they had used, uh, you know, actual real skeletons you know it's funny you mentioned that there was another uh story attached to this project in the first place you know you know there was a recreation of poltergeist in 2015 
And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's so paranormal analyzer that. Brenda Rose called a set of uh, of a new film to deal with the unsettling experiences while shooting the movie in Cleveland, uh, based out of Cleveland. And sh there was actually someone that was called in that specializes on this to do a cleansing of negative energy on the set because there was a lot of weird things happening in the latest, you know, yeah. re remix or I, I shouldn't call it remix, but I guess remake remake. Yes. Of the movie Poltergeist, which quite frankly, I didn't like too much, to be honest with you. I think the original was a lot better, but originals always. Better. Yeah, it's always better. And I found that to be very, very interesting that they, they brought someone in to actually do a cleansing here. Uh, question again from Courtney Peterson. Thank you again. And with cases of poltergeist, was their mental capacity looked at? And could mental illness, if diagnosed, be part of this as well? Well, I guess, in my opinion, I'm just going to throw my two cents worth. That could play a role in it, especially if there's some form of mental illness. But then is it the person, the living causing this or is it a spirit that's actually attached itself using the person to work through it through that individual it, it, it's it's a very interesting question and also you know begs to question whether we should even consider that this could possibly be through living but you know what we're going to get back to that question uh when we get back from these few short words from our sponsors but Make sure that if you're still having issues on Facebook, go to our YouTube page. Go ahead and subscribe and keep watching through there. And we'll be right back after these few short words from our sponsors. Stay right there.
So back to season one, episode four, Poltergeist, Noisy Ghosts. And we're here trying to figure out what poltergeists really are. What is behind the phenomenon that we refer to as poltergeists? And to be honest with you, there's so many cases out there and there really hasn't been any one particular theory that has been turned to fact yet. So we're still going on there. When it comes to trying to figure the inner workings of a poltergeist, I think it's safe to say that whether it's a haunting, whether it's a demonic infestation, you're going to have poltergeist activity, which is now referred to more so when it comes to things moving about, right? Is it safe to say that? Uh, you're, you're muted. Sorry, Vicky. I can't hear you. There you are. Yeah, the host didn't unmute me. <laughs> All right, I get it. I'm talking too much tonight. I got no, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> um, now I forgot the question. I was sidetracked. Well, we really haven't come come to a conclusion as to what causes it. So the 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 question I posed is: It safe to say that poltergeist is simply a symptomatic thing that happens during a haunting or a demonic infestation because things do tend to move around. Yes, and banging is also a very common denominator. Well, of course, you know, it, the the noisy part and and noises, scratchings, you hear scratching, you hear knocks and poundings and whatnot. But that can all be symptomatic things that happen during a haunt, during an infestation. I have experienced those things. I've heard things, I've seen things move, although really I've only seen things inanimate objects move maybe four times in my life or electronics being messed with very limited and very and far and few between but it doesn't happen upon command so is it safe to also say that if these things tend to happen during a certain time of the night or day that it's not considered poltergeist but part of the phenomenon that's already taking place in that house that's the question you know in the case of the bothell house not only did he have all these things going on that fit into the criteria he also had the appearance of a gray woman and so okay. that leads you to think okay wait a second so he's seeing air quote ghosts um he described her she wasn't see-through said basically think of an egg carton a gray egg carton Right. And everything about her was gray. And so she was one of the things. Now, also in his phenomena had to do with kids. He heard that kid cough in the beginning. He also would hear laughing and like the little pitter patter of feet running away right. as he would come in. I mean, there's so many things that happen during this. You have to ask your yourself, are we dealing with multiple levels of different things? Uh, and and again, the, the gentleman did not have children living correct. with him, correct? All right, correct. so I, I think it's been wrongfully titled as a poltergeist, but let's just say that one of the symptoms was poltergeist activity. And we have a question from um, the chat room from Elena. Can someone with PK abilities manifest a poltergeist in their home or with them anywhere? That would depend on what you think the nature of a poltergeist is. 
That all depends on the definition of what it is. Well, if a person already has the ability of telekinesis, that's something that's with you for life. It's a matter of whether you, the question, the real question is whether you choose to develop it or not. It's very far and few between, but it's usually tagged in with individuals that are psychics. And it's another part, another level that they reach uh, when it comes to actually developing that part. I, I think it's safe to say that, yes, it can follow you because it is you. It's part of you. It's, it's it, And it could be triggered by something that we're not completely in control of. It could be an emotional reaction that triggers that ability. Is that safe to say, Vicky? I mean, I think of the phenomena in the way the question was written, whether you can manifest a quote air quote poltergeist because you have PK ability. And again, I think it, it hinges on the definition of what a poltergeist font actually is. Um, one of the things that is talked about in poltergeist and going back to your having, you know, typically a adolescent female involved is that the person is unconsciously making items move as opposed to someone who actually has the ability to concentrate. Like, you know, like the beginning of Carrie, you know, she didn't really know she could do that. And then she concentrated. Surprise, it. surprise. The psychic medium read my mind. <laughs> uh, yes, I was actually going to throw that in there, just like in the movie Carrie. She had been born with psychokinesis, telekinesis, whatever you wish to refer to it. And unfortunately, she had a very overzealous religious mother that said, this is of the devil. You can't do this. You can't be this way. And unfortunately, thanks to a bucket full of pig's blood, yeah, all hell broke loose at the prom. Uh, but for those of you who haven't seen Carrie, you know, uh, the original one is the best one by far. Uh, that can be a trigger, an emotional reaction, anger. Uh, and it's usually a negative emotional reaction anger um it, it could be embarrassment it could be uh even even those warm fuzzy feelings can actually cause that kind of you know reaction so yes that can be something that can trigger it but if you recognize it and you happen to know people like vicky and myself and some of the people that happen to be in the chat room right now and do have some kind of understanding with this you can get help for this you know i've, I've often been called a professor xavier minus the wheels of the paranormal field people have often come to me with their gifts and i've been able to help them develop it at least get them on the right track so that they can you know get their gifts under control because you know a gift is not a gift it can be a curse because if you don't have control over it, that's when it becomes a curse, you know, AKA carry. So that being said, yes, definitely. Uh, there was another question, uh, but it's no longer on the screen. Hopefully our great producer will be able to get to that question again. <clears throat> okay. From Courtney Peterson. Uh, the brain seems to be a common denominator. Definitely. Well, the brain is what causes it. It's how we 
react to whatever we see, feel, sense, or are going through at that time. And it also triggers our emotions. And from Elena, you two are answering questions I have before I can type. <laughs> I, I guess might be psychic. <laughs> I think so. And I think Elena would actually agree with you. By the <laughs> way, I'd like to uh, give you a chance, you know, Vicky, to go ahead and, and pick, if you wish, someone uh, from the uh, chat room that you would like to. Well, I'm actually picking because I want them to make comments after the show um, on our YouTube page. So there's a place for you to comment about the show. So I'm going to pick my winner from the comments after the show. By all means. So if you want a free 15 minute, correct? correct. Free 15 minute reading from Vicki. Leave your comment on the YouTube for this one particular episode, season one, episode four, Poltergeist, Noisy Ghost, and she will pick who she will do a reading for 15 minutes free. And I guarantee you, it's worth your time. Trust me. I, I'm still shocked with some of the stuff she comes up with when it comes to, and I, I, I don't often have you read me much, but actually, ironically, I had you, uh, I sent you a pic earlier this week um of a friend of mine and i just needed to know for sure whether he was alive or passed on and it sounds like he is alive which is a good thing uh but getting back to what we were discussing there there is a case and we go back to the uk uh why why is it always the UK, but you know, that's, I guess, for another show. And that in itself is just something that we're going to have to figure out. Possibly next episode, we'll have someone to help us out. So we do have a special guest coming on to the show and we'll talk about that later on in the second hour, but it's known as the Enfield case. Hi, Eileen. How are you? Welcome home. If you're home, I don't know if you're driving home. The Enfield case. This case actually was a very, very popular case in Scotland, and it also involved two very well-known American ghost hunters, investigators, whatever you wish to call them, which ironically we spoke of in the second episode of season one, the Warrens, and they tried to help in that situation. Now, there are some pictures that were notorious for the Enfield case, but I kind of have my own idea as to what happened. Uh, if our lovely producer would post those pictures, I'd appreciate it. Yes. So in this one, it is, it's insinuating that sh this girl is being thrown from one end of the room to the other. But if you ask me, she looks like she's jumping from one bed to the next. That's just me. Yeah, she's over the bed. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, your opinions, Vicki? You know, there was talk about this case uh, being a hoax, as they typically do. I have seen interviews with family members, and honestly, they come across as very genuine. Okay. So it's it's not my my place to judge, um, especially not a case that this is that's as old as this one is, and I can't go back and actually 
experience anything or check out anything. Could this stuff be faked? Absolutely, it could be. But the twist, the plot twist that they used in the movie version of this is that the entities told her to fake things and to say that she faked them. Now, whether that's just the Hollywood version of it, um, but that's what the claim was, is that the entity had told her to fake things. One thing I think we can actually say we've learned an awful lot of is that a lot of these stories, when they end up in the hands of Hollywood, end up being right. exaggerated and mm -hmm. changed completely. Uh, that just happens to be the way things work. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why the screenwriters think that maybe if we throw a little bit of this and a little bit of that, it's going to make things better. That's not really the case. No. Um, I, I've often found the actual real stories of what are the true accounts of what happened to be more terrifying than anything else. Yep. Unfortunately, they choose to go in a different route and that usually... I don't know. That doesn't work for me. I, no. I prefer they keep the real story. It it totally ruins the story for me completely. Um, because the real cases are extremely interesting. They are, for the most part, terrifying. They don't need to be Hollywood up. They need to be told the way it I happened. Agree. I, I think that's why there's a lot more room nowadays and we should start evolving the paranormal field when it comes to TV, when it comes to movies, and to more so docu-series than anything else. I would find that more interesting, and it would keep me glued to the boob tube, you know, quite frankly, because you know that what's happening. Vicky, when was the last time you had a case where you just had to go once, and that was it? Um... Hmm. I can't even think of how far back. <laughs> exactly. Usually cases, and, and I had one in particular that actually went on for a year and a half. And different things were happening at different times throughout that year and a half. That is when you bring the concept of docuseries. And people would be very, very interested in watching something like that because the, the realistic side of things is nowadays – if you really take on a case involving a family, involving a phenomenon, it doesn't last for a few days. This family has been going through it, I'm just saying a family in general, for three, four, five months, six months to a year sometimes until they finally find the right team that can actually go in there and do something about it. Don't you think that we should evolve to the next stage of telling stories in the sense of, docu-series i find that to be more interesting than to go to a different location every other week or every week for that matter when it comes to a yeah. lot of the shows courtney peterson agrees with me um and she states especially in a field there is doubt and skepticism well vicky i'll let you take this on first and i'll go ahead and <laughs> say the pretty much chime pretty much what you're gonna say too go ahead uh, no, I was just putting my earpiece back in. <laughs> the only time that the only time that you come across a one and done, which is what I would call, you know, one time and you're out, 
That's only when you have a client that calls you in because they're more curious than they are scared or interested in having a solution to the haunt. Those want, those are one and dones. You come in, you get their evidence, you tell them what's going on. They're satisfied with that. They're okay with having spirits in their house. They wanted to experience having a team in their house. Those are the only times that you have a one and done. You need more teams that are willing to do the ones that would be in a docu-series where you go in, you have to, you honestly, you should investigate more than once just to collect every single bit of evidence that you can in order to analyze what's going on in order to find the right solution to end the haunt. Because most people who call who are scared want it to stop. And you can't come in one time, get three cool EVPs and say, okay, we're going to do this cleansing. There's not a one size fits all. You have to tailor, just like with pest control. You can't treat for ants if you got roaches. All right. So a docu-series is the perfect situation to be able to look at the process that I'm going to use the a real team goes through as they try to find solution for people who are scared, who want their home back. I have to agree with you because we do uh, pretty much the same way you run your team. I run my team as well. We leave no stone unturned. There's a process of interviewing a lot of interviews. I mean, it's just not the, 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 the mother, the father, the husband, wife, the kids, and, and usually with kids, you have to really be very, very careful. You have to tread very, very lightly when it comes to children. And you have to have the parents present at all times. There's a lot of research that needs to be done on the property. There has to be a lot of history uh, of what's possibly been going on with the family. Maybe they have dabbled in the dark arts. Maybe they haven't. Sometimes it's something as simple as a child that's misinterpreting something or families that have watched way too many shows out there and they start coming to their own conclusions oh it must be a demon oh it must be this and oftentimes i've actually come across more families believe it or not well i'm i'm sure you're gonna believe it <coughs> that have already made up their mind as to what it is and they go from team to team to team to team until they find the team that agrees with them and they keep that team tangled up in that one particular case for months on end and that in itself happens to be the issue <coughs> that I have found to be a big problem. And there's another question here. No, this is advertising that if you go on our YouTube page and oh, comment okay. under the video, I'm going to choose a free 15-minute reading person. There you go. All right. So that being said, uh, that happens to be one of the things. I, listen, when I go into an investigation, I, I you know how I run things, I, I how I work. I take everything under consideration. I have to I have to literally sit there for a while and observe the family that we are attempting to help. I need to see how the the husband and wife, or if it's a single mom with a child or a single dad with a child or whatever the situation may be, I need to observe. I need to see how they interact with each other. I know I need to know what triggers, what things to look for, and build a case. It's just not a case when you get there. You need to build a case. You need to actually load up on everything you possibly can when it comes to that. Agreed? 
Agreed. And I think what happens too with some people, you have to realize when you're doing this, you might come across something that's not going to fit into what your theory is at that point. You can't ignore that evidence. You have to say, okay, I developed this theory. This is what I think it is, but oops, this doesn't fit in there. So then you need to rethink it. You need to consider that and go back to the table and rethink it. And it takes time. People who think that you join a team, a serious team, and that you're just going to have fun on Saturday night and go out to Denny's after you're through investigating to eat. And it's really cool. No, there's a lot of work. A I prefer Waffle House, but, you know, Denny's is usually the only one that's closest by yeah. and you have to settle for what you can get. Uh, no, that is not what an investigation is. And I often tell all my teammates, now it's time to work. And it's usually the work is not while you're there. Of course, that's part of it. But you're there to collect evidence. Then you got to go over the over. evidence. So that in itself is something to be, you know, you need to look at. Uh, I, I've... And, and it's a common rule. I, I see Courtney laughing in, in the, the chat. And, you know, to me, it's been Waffle House forever. And for you, it's been Denny's forever. But then again, I'll throw Denny's and I hop in there because they're one of the few restaurants and chains out there that stay open. That's, that's the icing on the cake. When you finish a case, you've collected all the evidence. And you want to wind down and you go and you sit down and you have some coffee, maybe a Sunday or some breakfast. I don't care. That's the fun part. When it really gets serious is when you have to start going over hours and hours yeah. and hours of recordings and video and looking for the things that shouldn't be there, shouldn't be moving. One of those things is that that technique is what comes in handy in what i guess we would call a poltergeist case because if i'm involved in what's being already labeled as a poltergeist case you're damn skippy i'm gonna have cameras anywhere and everywhere throughout that house because when you and your team may be over here something else may be going on over there you need to be aware of that at all times so again poltergeist i'm beginning to kind of like you know, limit everything down to, I think it's safe to say that in very rare occasions, poltergeist does surround children going through adolescence and it's for a short period of time, um, or it involves someone pregnant or someone going through menopause, but very rare. Oftentimes what you will find in haunts is the very same symptoms that you find in poltergeist things being thrown about things going missing, things showing up from different periods of time. And I'm not talking about like yesterday or last week. I'm talking about like the 1800s, like what was mentioned earlier, that key. And that in itself is something to look forward to. You know, maybe we are piecing the puzzle together here with everyone getting involved. Um, there was a picture that I'd like to go back to that involved the Boffle case. I hope I said it right this time. And it it was a, a, some kind of uh, drawing on a wall. And I'm not quite sure what that was. And I, I'm just, I just want to have us both look at it and have everyone in the chat room take a look at it. And for those of you that are just listening in, 
and have just come in. We're talking about poltergeist. And by the way, if you want to see the pictures and you want to see us talking about whatever it is we're talking about, please join us on Greetings from Beyond Radio on YouTube. Just you can watch everything from beginning to end. Subscribe when you get there and you will be notified whenever there is a new show coming on. Um, so this picture, I'm not quite sure what this picture is all about. To me, uh, and I've studied symbols for many, many years, unless this has something to do, I think this is more spiritual than living. I think this is a spirit trying to communicate. I don't know what the heck this means, unless the individual that went through this actually knew what it meant vicky what's would, your take on this he would randomly find you know certain messages and things like that and i think there were even ones that uh specifically um were threatening to him that you know whatever this was was coming for him um so i don't know his book does have extensive photographs of all the things that happened and he's actually written more than one book to delve into this. We're definitely going to have to get this gentleman onto the show sometime this year because I think he has a lot of explaining to do, Vicky. Um, I'm always interested in what their take and what their opinion is when it comes to the phenomenon that happened in that home and to him. It, it lends more credence and and answers to the questions that we all have but i'm beginning to settle on to something when it comes to poltergeist activity maybe i might be wrong i don't know but i have a feeling that it's symptomatic of other things going on during that that activity it's just not like a poltergeist spirit that specializes in poltergeist i think all spirits have that ability I think demon be, be it inhuman, demonic, or you know, or, or human, it, they all have that ability to actually mess with anything and everything, especially their surroundings and the people that are living in that space. Courtney Peterson says, "Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We appreciate you." And she's one of one of she's one of those supporters of Paralanx uh, United Network. Thank you very much for being on in the in the chat room and supporting us and shooting out some very interesting questions i appreciate courtney um but here's here's my question and maybe some people in the chat can throw out some ideas yes why is it that you have let's let's just say it's connected to a living person you know during adolescence whatever how come you have almost identical activity is there only a certain like okay i'm a i'm a spirit i can only do from here to here okay i'm unconsciously using psychokinesis but i'm gonna do i can only do this list from here to here why do you find so many common denominators i can tell you through the years of my haunts that i've investigated there's a whole range of phenomena different types of things but with things that, that have been labeled poltergeist, it's like, okay, we can only do numbers one through 10. And this is what we're going to do. Why? So here's, here's another question. 
what was this spirit trying to communicate to this gentleman through the Bothell case? Was it just that it, it wanted to kill him? Because I no longer consider this poltergeist. And if we happen to get him onto the show, I'm going to have to question that. <clears throat> Usually poltergeist just signifies, all, all, all it's stating is that things are moving around and it's noisy, right? But that happens during a haunt. So obviously there was a spirit involved. And again, let's go back to that picture that was trying to communicate with him, leaving writings and stuff like that. And this looks to me like it was done with chalk or or uh, charcoal or something like that. Or it could be ash. I don't know if it was burned. It could be ash. We could ask him if we get him onto the show. But what was the 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 what was it that was the message that this spirit was trying to get across obviously there was some form of intelligence behind this mm -hmm. so i have to kind of stray away with all due respect to this individual as to it being a poltergeist i don't think it's just limited to a poltergeist i think there's a lot more going on here did he leave this home i don't know if he's currently he stayed in it a long time i don't know if he currently lives there it was a rental um, so he could have, and, and again, it's one of those like stereotypical movies, you know, the neighbors come over the first time, oh, nobody stays in this house for long. <laughs> and he just kind of, that he did, didn't register with him to ask why or anything like that. You talk about communicating what's interesting in the South Shields poltergeist in England. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> what, the UK again? Oh, yeah. surprise, surprise. Um, they actually received text messages really? from this okay. entity. And the very first text message that came through, they had it on a landline. And that was when you could do, somehow they were explaining that it was like a landline and you would get like a robotic type message. Yeah. And then they were able to, like they're saying, is somebody messing with us? Because it came from the father's phone. And if I believe it was either him or the investigator's phone. So they had to put the phone right in front of them. Like, okay, here's the phone. No one's touching the phone and text messages continued. They could not find a logical reason why these text messages were coming from the particular phone. And I mean, that to me is amazing nope. that there was no number. The phone. Yes, it was coming from their phone, the phone that was right in front of everybody that nobody was touching. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. But the original text message came from a landline, supposedly, the very first one. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy interesting, too, if anybody wants to look at, at this particular case and all the things that happen. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to look into it some more, too, because, quite frankly, I, I, I don't know why people choose to call it. I guess haunting has been used so much nowadays. But honestly, I've I've come to the conclusion that this poltergeist activity, unless it's what was believed to be many hundreds of years back, uh, caused by fae or um, brownies, nature spirits, and that was considered, you know, ironically, the the same symptoms: noisy, messy, and if you didn't keep them happy, they would let you know. Sounds a lot like a poltergeist, but once you got them happy, they stopped. Um, I don't know. 
I'm I'm now realizing that I think the common denominator that we have been looking for here is that this is just a, a symptom of a haunt, because as you've stated, this individual actually experienced hearing footsteps of a little child and laughter as well correct and even a gray woman you stated gray woman and, and there was also text messages as well no that was from the south shield south shields okay yeah. so i'm getting i'm getting all these cases confused yeah. uh when it comes to the alleged poltergeist activity now i'm not casting shade on poltergeist mind you i find the subject matter very interesting i've studied it for many many years i just find that the things the phenomenons that tend to happen are very very similar to that of a haunting that's that's my personal opinion so uh i mean i very seldom have gone into a haunt where someone says that they had to dodge knives so I, i'm going to go out there and say that the intensity of some of these cases and the size of the objects and the things that materialized, like in the Bothell house, some of the things that materialized were old letters from the IRS from previous renters. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Some of the things that just popped up and materialized. It's just, it's like I said, to me, this is a fascinating topic. And the fact that there's so many things that are in common like this. Okay. The stacking of the chairs, which was also featured. In the movie, Poltergeist. Yes. That's when the mom first realized there's something strange going on. You think? And, you know, like like that. I've never, I've had cases of, a, of haunts where chairs have moved. Like people have pushed their dining room chair in. They go to the bedroom, get dressed. They come out. The chair is pushed out and they're the only people home. I've never come across a haunt where something has stacked chairs precariously like that you know as as courtney states in the chat room by the way just because something has actually uh, has activity doesn't mean it's haunted there is a difference uh, and not to insinuate that in any way shape or form it's oftentimes it's just a spirit of a loved one mm -hmm. uh that's passed on that's trying to communicate visitations with you. Yeah. visitations it could be a, an place actual memories haunting. It could be anything. Uh, the, the matter of the fact is, is that this tends to happen regardless, whether it's a haunting, visitation, anything. It's their way of communicating. Oftentimes it's audibly. Sometimes it's moving things. Sometimes it's reappearing something that they misplaced and found in death. And they're letting you know where it's at. And you're thinking, what the heck is this? What is this? This has have anything to do with me and then you start piecing you know what I, i'm going to use this term it's like piecing a puzzle together sometimes some of those pieces go missing it's a matter of actually putting those pieces together to make the grand picture to finally understand what the message is, is and think about this think about what we know about energy especially spirit energy that goes on forever if you have let's just say let's if you are, let's just say I give a party. Okay. Okay. I got my lights on. I got the music playing. Party people are passing by in front of my house. They see I got a party. They're like, hey, can we hang? Oh, yeah. Come on. Hang. Same thing. Who's to say that we're not dealing with something in isolation? 
the nature of the activity will attract more activity of a different nature. The same way me having a party going on and people can see that it's going on, it may attract more party goers. So that's why you may have multiple levels of a haunt all in one haunt, all of them with different agents, all of them with different driving forces, but they come together because of that attraction of the energy that's being produced. Well, energy is energy and it's going to attract likewise. We have to always keep in mind that whatever energy you're putting out there being positive, negative, you know, party type atmosphere, you're going to attract the same type of situation. But it can also amp up something that is also present in your home. So let's say you already have some activity going on in your home. There is a mishmash of different emotions that happen when people start drinking. We know that the different types of spirits that get involved and some person may get pissy. Some person may actually get happy. Some might get depressed. That can also fuel an already present paranormal situation going in your home. Correct. I, as far as I'm sure. concerned, that's what I've experienced. Yeah. Thank goodness. I'm a happy drunk. So I only get happy spirits. That <laughs> that's you. And that's me. But a lot of people, well, you know what they say, your true personality comes out when you're drinking. That is true. Dead men, um, drunk men don't tell tales. So to speak, you can't fake it. I've never heard that one. I just made that. Up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sayings from Vicky. Forget readings from Vicky. Sayings from Vicky. My book you know? on quotes will be out next week. Self-published. Right. Yeah, let's do this. So we want to keep hearing some more from everybody in the chat room. So please chime in with your opinions, your theories. We're really enjoying connecting with you guys. Oftentimes, I think we have, okay, Courtney Peterson, I think spirits don't really have a sense of time. I, I do agree with her there. I don't think they know years, days, moments, etc. Uh, Courtney, I have to agree with you 100% there. And some actually do. Uh, the ones I would say that do are the ones that visit. The ones yeah, that the know that, ones that, that have passed on. You know, one of the things, and I'm, I'm glad this was brought up, and it kind of segues into something else. <clears throat> one of the pet peeves that I've had, and I've, I've, I've been on investigations with other teams, and it tends to tick me off. The question that is asked, and I'm always like, why did you ask that question? How did you die? Do you realize there's a lot of spirits out there that don't even know they're dead? And you're asking this question. I was involved with a case back in the day. And this was one of the things that I learned. And it was with Florida Ghost Team. And you know this very well. Um, I was wondering why one of the investigators said, how did you die? Are you still in pain? Now, mind you, the activity had somewhat settled before we had gotten there, at least a few days before. And as soon as we left, activity amped up got violent and the client ended up calling us back well we went back but i started remembering why it went up mm -hmm. and i was thinking i know because it doesn't know it's dead it, it was so captain obvious 
oftentimes I, I compare all the cases, a lot of cases, and I'm always, always very, very careful. I don't ask leading questions or captain obvious questions of death. How did you die or whatnot? Or you may be dead. Have you ever thought of that, Mr. Spirit? Because oftentimes they think they're alive. Okay, the movie The Others. Who's seen the movie The Others and would understand what I'm talking about? Because that movie was about spirits that thought were still alive. And here are the living asking them, why are you dead? And that's when they Spoiler alert for anybody. Who Whatever. That it. movie's so old. If you haven't seen it, there's <laughs> something wrong with you. So, again, wouldn't you agree that your line of questioning should never be to that extent to where it's that in I, your I face never or spirit? Asked. But that was actually something I learned on Florida Ghost Team is to not ask them how they died. I will ask if I'm trying to come up with a question to identify a spirit. It's not going to be about their death. To me, identification is easier to find out what they were alike or are alike now in death and their characteristics. I may ask a time related question. Like, can you tell me what today's date is? Can you tell me what year it is? And I'm still waiting for the day that I get, uh, it is the year 1765, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you very seldom get, get dates. You can, but you very seldom get dates. But I, but what you're saying though, it all has to do with respect too. You don't want to shock a spirit or antagonize a spirit because you're getting ready to pack your stuff up and you're leaving. And you're leaving person, that client. Yeah. So you don't do anything to antagonize anybody or be disrespectful. I agree 100%. Uh, as far as I'm, thank you, Phantom Detective, LLC. Uh, keep keep up the good work, guys. Um, that in itself is one of the things that I've often, and it's funny you mentioned, you learned that from Florida Ghost Team. And ironically, you came into Florida Ghost Team shortly after I left. That was one of the things that I included in the booklet when it came to how to approach an investigation and clients. And I had to point that out to the lead investigator that had it happened. She wasn't there at the time. And I said, don't you think that's not a question to ask? I mean, we don't want to make things worse for the client. They already are scared to death. Why are we going to actually add fuel to the fire? Because oftentimes these spirits don't know they have passed on. So, there you go. That's how you possibly came across that in the first place of what and what to do and what not to do. So let's go back to the Enfield case. Why was this labeled a fraud? I I I don't want to base everything off the movie. I want to base everything as much as I possibly can. When it comes to the Enfield case, this did happen in the UK. Surprise, surprise. And once again, we're faced with, okay, how did this turn into a fraud? From How did it go from a family being tormented by poltergeist activity or something else going on in that home to being a fraud? Is, is this human nature to constantly question things that we just cannot comprehend and rationalize into what is into, oh, it must be fake. It must be Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. I'd rather believe that it is that versus 
what you're suggesting it is. I don't know about that anymore, Vicky. I think we've gotten to the point now to where science has caught up to where we are at when it comes to investigating the paranormal to where we don't have to leave any stone unturned. Yeah, we definitely have the tools that we can um, examine things more closely. But the bottom line is the reason so many things are labeled fake is because you will always have skeptics that will get slapped in the face without a visual hand and they will come up with a logical explanation. But the good thing about a skeptic is the only thing that makes a difference between a skeptic and believer is one experience. One that where they, especially if they're by themselves and they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that there was nobody there and no logical explanation and they turn from a skeptic to a believer just like that. And But yeah. nothing I can say, nothing you can say, nothing any book can say, any TV show is going to change that skeptic until they literally get the crap scared out of them. Those are my favorites. Aren't, aren't those your favorite too, Vicki? Oh, yeah. I, I, I personally love it when you have these skeptics, these individuals that come to you and they're like, Look, I don't know what's going on in my house. All I know is that this, this, this is happening and I don't believe in this crap. So come over and see if you can help. And the more you work with them, more the more they stop becoming a skeptic. Those are the best ones because unfortunately, those are the ones we have to convince that this is real. And science is helping us understand the phenomenon, whether it's poltergeist, whether it's hauntings, visitations, demonic infestations, and that goes into theology, but we can go into that some other time. People oftentimes have to have this, like you stated earlier, smack them in the face, poltergeist style, in my opinion, and go from there. <coughs> the Enfield <coughs> case had all the makings of a violent haunt. That's what I'm going to state. Violent haunt. I don't think it was just a poltergeist. To the extent to where we have misused the word poltergeist so much that I think people are now misunderstanding really that this is just part of the phenomenon that we call the paranormal. And it's just a matter of us trying to put it in a category and trying to understand it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I, I always I think back to I don't know about you, but when I first saw because we all have our concept of poltergeist. So a lot of us will be that cultural of us going back to think about the movie, the original movie poltergeist. And when I first saw it, I didn't even see or recognize the things, the components of that movie that fit into what the definition. I'm like, well, this is just a ghost story. It's because they built it on a cemetery and blah 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 but the more you know about poltergeist remember when they did the they went into the room and everything's spinning around and then they go down to the dining room table to have the conversation and something flies across the table like the the sugar just shoots across the table or whatever it was the stacking of the chairs the objects manifesting and landing from that portal you know in the entryway there are so many components and I didn't appreciate how accurate the movie actually is 
when we talk about some of the phenomena that we do associate with poltergeists? Well, okay. Um, let, let's look at, at my favorite scene is when he, he puts a helmet on the daughter or she puts a helmet on she the daughter and she already has the, 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 the strip and puts her down and she's like, do we have to do it this again? My butt hurts. Mm -hmm. and, I'm hungry. <laughs> and, and, but you see, cases like that are very far and few between. And okay, so we, I have a message here. Yes, but I have a pick of your new viewer sent in to me. I'd like to share. Okay, so are my producers, uh, sending me a message and she's going to share a picture from one of the viewers. Well, at least the we're represented by the canine community. <laughs> I'll keep that pick up. Hold on. Oh Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> well, at least the canine community is supporting us as well. And that's a good thing. And we but always welcome those picks. I know the point you're going to make about things on command when it has to do with poltergeist. Now in the South Shields case, when they investigated, they yes. would ask for responses and they did receive responses. They did receive direct answers in the form of knocking mostly to their questions. So, but okay. the thing is like for it, typically it's very difficult to catch any of this activity on actual camera it's very difficult to have video footage of these things that because they simply will not perform i guess they're shy poltergeist will no not it's not that for it's the just, camera i mean it's like asking a spirit to dance it's like asking you or me or anyone to dance on command it's not going to happen um as far as i'm concerned you have to spend hours and a lot of time at these people's homes being there for them that's the key observing taking down data investigating gathering data so that later on you can go to your own home and go over that data and then try and come up with an answer for these families because these families they're already going through hell on earth we don't need them to keep going through it just so that they can entertain us or the, the spirits that happen to be there entertain us this is not a pawn command as far as i'm concerned yes i agree courtney spirits aren't circus animals 100 i agree with you and in fact i i've even gone as far as saying that oftentimes these haunted locations commercial locations where you get to go and investigate i kind of feel like people are banking on situations like that to where the spirits are no longer allowed to move on afterwards after they've passed on do not get me started on that because it's a whole show for me do not even go there because that's a All whole right. show okay a whole show yeah. but here, and here's a, go ahead go ahead i even apologize what she's saying about they're not spirits aren't circus animals when i ask questions and i if i'm asking for a certain type of interaction like i'm asking you know could you please knock on a wall to let me know you're here or something like that I apologize, but here's the way I say it. I don't say circus animal. I said, I apologize if you think that I'm asking you to do parlor tricks, which is what the old time seances people call them right, parlor tricks. Right. So I apologize 
before I even ask them to do something just to give me some kind of physical thing that I can hold on to that I'm not talking to myself. It's already hard enough for these spirits to come across audibly. So if they can actually physically poltergeist way, knock or make a sound of sorts to help us know that they are there, why not? I mean, come on. It's not so much a parlor trick. It's help us help you. What message are you trying to get across to us so we can help you either move on or come to terms with whatever the message may be? Right. And that's it. It's just common sense in my book. I yeah, think well, once go ahead. common sense isn't common anymore, dear. Well, I know that kind of went out the window years ago, but yeah, the way I see it, we have a responsibility as paranormal investigators and me as also as a demonologist, I, I have to always be mindful of that individual that is in need of help at that moment in time. Now let's not confuse a haunt human haunt with a demonic haunt, because that is completely different. We have many, many situations where I've been involved in to where we have to keep under consideration the individual that's involved and that they may actually have something else that's not human, but inhuman. But I'm going to go ahead and start segueing into next week's show. And it may be, we're going to have a guest next week. Um, in the short time that I have been able to witness this guest do investigations on Travel Channel, I have gained a great deal of respect for, not only for her accolades, but her accomplishments as well, and also her style of investigating. So I think this person may be able to shed some light when it comes to poltergeist especially in the uk because she actually is in the uk uh she happens to be in scotland um so the I'm land gonna... of my people oh your people that yeah, also happens I... to be go ahead yeah i have a strong scottish english background okay mostly and scottish so does uh so does our producer by the way and that in itself is something that I, this individual is, is someone I'm looking forward to having on the show because she may be able to shed some light when it comes to this whole thing we're talking about in Poltergeist. And her name happens to be Evelyn Hollow. Uh, she happens to be a paranormal psychologist and she actually lives in Scotland. And she also happens to be one of the stars of Haunted Scotland, which is often seen on Travel Channel Saturday nights. And she's been showing me that she's bringing back the old way of investigating. So next week, we will be joined by none other than Evelyn Hollow, and there's a lot more that I can give you information-wise when it comes to between now and then, and also when we inter before we interview her on the first hour this time around, because we have to be mindful of her. Guess what? She lives in Scotland. It's going to be late over there. It's going to be early over here. So we have to bear in mind that that's just how things work. So 
I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, give out your information, Vicki, and then we'll start wrapping things up. All right. If anybody wants to contact me um, just for advice or for an actual reading, you can email me at nancy, N-A-N-C-Y, 3-8-Drew at AOL.com. Those of you that are old enough know exactly what who Nancy Drew is. Roll your eyes again. Roll them again. I'm all the way in Utah. There's nothing you can do. Well, yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> You'll be thinking there's a poltergeist up in there. <laughs> um, you can also find me on Facebook, Readings by Vicki. Make sure you spell it V-I-C-K-I-E, and you'll find it. And you see it on our ticker right now. Um, you can go there. You can go to my email address. Um, I also have a website for my paranormal team, and I have a Facebook for my paranormal team. And I just added an Instagram at readings by Vicky V-I-C-K-I-E. I also added an Instagram for greetings from beyond radio. So go find us at GFBR radio or actually GFB radio on Instagram and follow us there. And of course, go to YouTube greetings from beyond radio and subscribe. So before I let you guys go, remember what I always say at the end of every single show, but first and foremost, I am happy to welcome Evelyn hollow next week where we will interview her and talk more about this in depth. So remember what I always say, ladies and gentlemen, live life. Don't let life live you. And peace be still. <laughs>